Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning. It's good to see familiar faces, Sunday school teachers that used to teach me. Um, you did a good job. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's such a joy to see so many of uh, kids. Uh, Joseph, I don't know whether you remember, but I remember the first time I met him. 19 October 2020. Yeah, I still remember. I looked through my text. And that was the first time he came to Covenant. I'm so glad to see you plugged in. Yeah. Um, it's a joy to be with you this morning. Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit. You know, in the recent months, our nation, the nations around the world have been going through and battling post-pandemic woes amidst a growing economic instability. We see in the news with the new COVID variant, uh, XBB, and with other social issues arising with drug abuse happening among our next generation, even though we are a nation that has zero tolerance to drugs. And in other news, we have the news reporting that next year, 2023, Singapore's economy will continue to slow further as a result of global economy. And with that, rising housing prices and also interest rates across the board. With all these issues that we are facing with today, the critical question we are faced with is where lies your confidence? Where lies your confidence. You know, over the past few weeks, over the pulpit, we have been talking and, and preaching about spiritual warfare. And last week, we talked about the importance of prayer in our faith journey. And there was a call to pray for a spiritual awakening in our lives. Today, we are going to look at two spiritual anchors that will enable us to be confident in our spiritual battles. But before that, let me pray for us. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word. We ask right now that you remove every distraction. Holy Spirit, come fill our head, our hearts, and our hands so that we may hear and boldly respond to your word, that it may take root and bear fruits in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's passage, we are looking at 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. The Apostle Paul quickly turns his attention to focus on what God can do for us in the midst of our spiritual battles. And we're going to see two spiritual anchors that he gives us today. The first spiritual anchor that Paul calls our attention to is to look up. Look up. And as we look up, we will come to recognize that God empowers us. And there are two ways that the Apostle will tell us right now of how God empowers us. The first way God empowers us, He empowers us by His faithfulness. His faithfulness. So look with me now to verse 3. Verse 3, it says, But the Lord, the Lord is faithful. Now let's pause there for a second. Paul begins with a contrastive statement. He says, but the Lord is faithful. Paul is talking and referring back to verse 2, where he talked about there were wicked and evil men who do not have 
faith. And in light of that in verse 2, verse 3, he says, But the Lord, unlike these evil and wicked men, the Lord is faithful. And that's how he begins verse 3. You know, one of the most prominent characters of God in Scripture is God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. And we see God's faithfulness most clearly in Scripture through the covenants that God makes with His people. For some of you who are unfamiliar what a covenant is, a covenant is simply a legal binding treaty or a contract that is made between two parties and there are agreements made for each party to fulfill. And so in the scriptures, we will see that God made five critical covenants with his people. The first being in Genesis 6, where God made the covenant with Noah as a promise that he will preserve his family as he wiped out the earth. Second one is with Abraham in Genesis 12, where he made the covenant that through Abraham, a nation will birth forth, and through that nation, the world will be blessed. Third one, the third covenant is with Moses, where the nation of Israel that was birthed from Abraham, there was a covenant made with Moses at Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, where God says that he will set them apart, he will bless them if they keep his commandments. So that's the third one. The fourth one is with King David, King David in 2 Samuel 7, where God promised an everlasting kingdom through the line of David. And as we read through scriptures, we see the covenant that God made with his people and how he remained faithful in all the covenants that he made with the people. But the people, on the other hand, as we all know, did not keep their end of the covenant. They were unfaithful. They were not willing to submit themselves to obey the laws of God. And as a result, God being a just God, not just a faithful God, God is also a just God. And as such, there was judgment that came upon the people that we see, especially with the Mosaic Covenant. But God, but the Lord is faithful. God just didn't make four covenants. He made the fifth and final covenant called the New Covenant. And the New Covenant is, is where all the promises, all the blessings that God gave to the people in the covenants he made previously is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's the new covenant that God made with his people that whoever chooses to put their faith in Jesus will be part of this new covenant. And the Bible records God's faithfulness very clearly in Matthew 1, where we see the genealogy, the, the generations that start from Abraham and how he kept his promises all the way to the birth of Jesus. 14 generations from the time of Abraham to the birth of Jesus. 4,000 years, and we see God is faithful. God was faithful, God is currently faithful, and he will continue for all eternity to be faithful because that is who he is. Yes, but the Lord is faithful. Paul begins with that and then he goes on to say, He, the Lord who is faithful, He will establish you and 
guard you against the evil one. Now, the idea of establishing and guard, the, the idea of establishing here is to be inwardly firm. To be inwardly firm, just as how Paul talked about in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 2, where he says, And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ, to what? To establish, to establish and exhort you in your faith. It's the same way that is used here in our text today. The idea of being inwardly firm in God. And so Paul exhorts them and he tells them, the Lord is faithful, he will establish you. And the second verb that is used that is, is he will guard you or in some translation, protect you. This idea of guarding and protecting is, is the same way used in John 17, 12, where Jesus protected his disciples from the evil one physically and spiritually. So that's the, the guarding and protecting that is talked about here. So, you know, when we think about guarding, we, we, we often have ideas of what it is. But I think Dr. Michael Martin has a helpful way of how we see God's protection. He says, divine protection does not imply the absence of conflict, but preservation through conflict. Now, this idea of divine protection, sometimes we think God protects us and therefore we, we won't encounter any trials or challenges. But the reality of it is the divine protection is not so much of avoidance, but really that God will continue to be faithful, to be with us in the midst of our spiritual battles. And that's how Paul talks about guarding and protecting here in verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish and guard you against the evil one. So there are two ways. There are two ways that God empowers us as we look up. The first way is that God empowers us by his faithfulness. The second way that God empowers us is that God empowers us to be faithful. Just like how he is faithful, we as believers have a part to play to be faithful in our journey as well as we look to him. So this is what he says in verse 4, the Apostle Paul. He says, And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. The idea here that Paul has when he says we have confidence is this idea of an inward, of this conviction and certainty that Paul has, that God will equip you and I to do the work that God has called us to. That's what Paul is saying here. He has a certainty, a conviction that he will do a work in and through our lives. You know, it was Hudson Taylor that once said this phrase. He says, God is not looking for men of great faith. He is looking for common men to trust his great faith. Fullness. You know, Pastor Ed often talks about the four weapons, the four weapons that the devil uses to derail us from our faith. The four being discouragement, defilement, division, and deception. These are the four, and they come in various forms and in different seasons of our lives. You know, I remember there was a period of my life, seven, eight years ago, when I began my journey through seminary, that season. 
And there was a spirit of discouragement that was prevalent in the first two years of my seminary studies. You know, growing up, I'm more of a science person. I I don't like art. Sorry to all the GP teachers uh, present here. Uh, I, I don't like writing and reading. Growing up, I love equations and problem solving. And so, so when God called me into ministry, it was a, one of the struggles that I faced was I, I'm not very good with reading and writing. I'm more of a problem solving guy, but I know because you called me, I'll, I'll obey, la. I'll obey, even though it's difficult. So that's one of the struggles and some context for you as I entered seminary. And one of the things that, that struck me, that, that affected me was when we had the first program overview for our Masters of Divinity course where he, he explained this is what's going to happen. And one of the key objectives that he said, by the end of your time with us, you are going to master two of the biblical languages to a certain level of academic proficiency. And then I look at myself, I don't know how I go to this because I myself, growing up, I learned Mandarin for all my life for more than 12 years. I, I look at myself and I will say, I, I don't think I am proficient in any way in my Mandarin. I can get by, but that's about it. So then I was just looking, I was like, you, you got to be kidding me, right? Just in a few years, not one, but two languages that I completely don't know of. And at that moment, thoughts began to come in. Thoughts like, are you sure? Are you sure that God has called you to this? Are you sure you can do this? Are you sure this is what God wants you to do? And as, as those thoughts came in, I, I knew that it came from a spirit of discouragement and immediately I arrested those thoughts and I began praying against them. And as I prayed, the, the verse 1 Thessalonians 5.24 began to flood my mind. And that was the verse that God gave me in that season of equipping. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. And that verse continued to ring in my mind as I prayed against that spirit of discouragement. And the Lord directed and refocused my attention on His faithfulness. He began to remind me, haven't I been faithful to you all these years? Look at my track record. Look at the track record of my faithfulness in the people that you read in my scriptures. Have I not been faithful? And as I reflected and meditated on that verse that the Lord gave me, I clung on to that. In every paper I wrote, in every assignment that I took, month after month, year after year, the Lord was faithful. And after five years of blood, sweat, and tears, I can say the Lord was faithful from the start to the very end. And not only did He just allow me to pass my, my courses, he, he made me excel in them to my wildest imagination, straight A's. And all I can say is that all glory belongs to God. All glory in my wildest imagination. But the Lord is faithful. God empowers us by His faithfulness. And God empowers us to be faithful. That's the first point as we look up as a spiritual anchor. The second spiritual anchor that we look at is that we must take heart. We must take heart. Look with me now to verse 5. Verse 5. It says, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God 
and to the steadfastness of Christ. Now, when the Apostle Paul says, may the Lord direct your hearts, it's this idea of directing your whole person. The heart refers to your whole being. And so Paul prays that the Lord will direct our whole person. The question is to what? Paul tells us two things. To firstly, the love of God. To the love of God. Now, the love of God that Paul talks about here is most seen and described clearly in another letter that he wrote in Romans 8, 37 to 39. And this is what he says. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the love that the Apostle Paul is talking about, this inseparable love that nothing and no one can separate you from. And Paul prays that God would direct our whole persons to the love of God. On September 6, 2018, a police officer named Geiger accidentally shot an unarmed man who was sitting in his own apartment, eating ice cream. And the reason why she shot this man was because she mistaken it to be her own apartment and thought he was an intruder. And this, this man who was shot and killed, his name was Botham Jean in the United States. And on the court hearing, his brother, Brent Jean, took to the stands. And this is what Brent said to the woman who murdered his brother accidentally. This is what he says. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. He then went on to say, I want the best for you because I know that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person and I don't wish anything bad on you. This is what both of them said to the woman who murdered his brother. This is the words that came out of his mouth. My friends, I don't know about you, but what Brent just expressed is something that only God can do. Where Brent is so, so secure in the love of God that in his grieving and in his suffering, he sees the way God sees this person. That there is hope, there is redemption, there is forgiveness in the love of God. That's the power when God directs us to the love of God. 
But not just the love of God that Paul prays that God will direct our whole being. The second thing that Paul prays for is that we will be directed towards the steadfastness, the steadfastness of Christ. Now the word steadfastness here in its original root verb is this idea of hupomone. Hupo being under, mone means to remain. Put together, it means to remain under pressure, which is why it's translated as steadfastness, perseverance, or endurance. And it's used the same way in Hebrews 12, 2-3. It's exactly what Paul is trying to direct our attention to. This is what the author of Hebrews says. He says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In verse 3, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is what Paul is talking about. That as God directs our attention, our whole person to the love of God, and now specifically the endurance of Christ, Whatever season and situation that you are in, my friends, we have a Savior. We have a Lord who understands exactly what we're going through because He paid the ultimate price. He endured the ultimate pain and suffering, the cross. And because of that, we can have confidence, we can have hope for the future that when Jesus returns again, that he will make all things right. But not just for the future, that we have hope today, right now in our present situation and our spiritual battles, that we have a saviour who can relate. We have a saviour who can be with us in the midst of our spiritual battles as we look to him as the example, as we take heart in the endurance that Jesus showed all the way to the point of death on the cross. That's exactly what Paul tells us and prays for his people, for us. That God will direct our whole person to the inseparable love of God and the perseverance of Jesus Christ, who is our hope and our direction in our faith journey. You know, as I get the worship team up, as we close our time together, uh, I want to close with a simple story. Uh, as mentioned earlier, I, I oversee the TNG ministry from preschool all the way to youth. And so I, I meet different leaders. And, and in the recent years, we have quite a number of uh, youth leaders who are stepping up to serve. And I happened to chance and, and meet this young boy called Ryan over here uh, in one of our meetings. And, and, and Ryan is 13 years old. And upon further conversations that I had with him, um, Ryan told me about his medical condition. Ryan actually has an a autoimmune problem uh, growing up. And, and every three months, every three months, he needs to go to the hospital uh, for a procedure which, uh, which gets the, the equipment to go through his mouth to remove stones in his bowel. Every three months. And so when I see him, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to remember when he goes to the hospital, I'll drop him a text and ask how I can pray for him. And in one of the times where I was asking him, what can I pray for him? 
his response shocked me. And this is what he says. Pray for me. Pray for me so that I may have the boldness, I may have the courage to pray for the person that is next to me. Because the person next to me, that child, that kid, is going for a surgery tomorrow. Pray for me so that I may have the boldness and courage to pray for the person next to me and that I may share the good news of Jesus Christ, the hope that is found in Him. I don't know about you, but I am so encouraged, so encouraged by Him, a 13-year-old boy who is faithfully serving in wherever areas in church. And we see that 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 God is directing his whole persons to, to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ, that in the midst, in his own spiritual battles of facing this medical condition, he continued to fix his eyes on Jesus, so much so that his concern is not so much about his own condition, but more so with reaching people around him who have yet to receive that hope, to receive the love, that he himself had. I begin with the question, where lies your confidence? You know, as we look at the passage today in verses 3 to 5, look with me now. Where lies Paul's confidence? We see very clearly in 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 to 5. We see in verse 1, it says, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. Verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. Verse 4, we have confidence in the Lord about you. And in verse 5, may the Lord direct your hearts. We see very clearly where Paul's confidence lies. We see very clearly in Brent Jean, the brother of the boy who was murdered by the police officer. We know where his confidence lies as he goes through and, and battles through his grieving. And we see in the life of Ryan earlier where his confidence lies as he goes through his own spiritual battles. The question then for you, my friends, where lies your confidence in the midst of your spiritual battles? And I hope as we read through, as we hear the Word of God today, that we will see that there is no one else and nothing that we should place our confidence in than in God alone. Just like Paul, just like Brent, just like Ryan, we can place our confidence in Jesus, as we look up and as we take heart, that no matter what spiritual battles that we face, we can be confident in our battles. Let's pray. As we go into the time of response this morning, I want to give us some time to respond to the word of God proclaimed today. For some of you here, you have been going to church or it's been your first time 
but you have not yet put your faith in Jesus. Just as how we saw in the life of Brent, just as how we saw in the life of Ryan. And today I want to give you the opportunity that as we look through the scripture that you come to realize in this world that is shaking, in this world that has so much chaos, that there is one person alone and his name is Jesus who you can put your confidence in because he alone can empower you. He alone can encourage you because he is someone, he alone who died on the very cross and where he said it is finished, he meant it. And if that's you for the first time who hear of this God, of this God of Ryan, of the God of Brent Jean, and you say, I want this confidence that whatever battles that I face, I can stand straight. I can stand straight at, the, at those battles and say, I have the confidence in Christ Jesus because of what He has done for me. And if that is you this morning, if you are not yet a believer and have not said, Yes to Jesus. I want to give you this opportunity right now, wherever you are at here in this sanctuary. So with all head bow and all eyes closed, if this is you this morning, I want you to raise your hands at the count of three, if that is you. One, two, three. Would you raise your hands, not to anyone else, but to the Lord, to the Lord. Is there anyone in our midst who have not yet placed their faith and their hope in Jesus? Is there anyone in our midst today? I don't want to rush this. I want to give you some time to respond. Father, you see the hearts of everyone here. You know where we are at. God, we pray and ask that you continue to stir the hearts of your people this morning. That the word that is proclaimed of how you are a faithful God who loves us and who has set an example for us, may that seed bear fruit in your timing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a second group of people that I want to speak to as we continue to respond to the Lord. Second group of people are those who are in a season of weariness. You are in a season where you feel things don't make sense and you feel very dry and you feel like giving up. It could be a transition into a new season for you. It could be in a season where you feel like you are stuck and you're going nowhere. But as we look at the scriptures this morning, the Apostle Paul tells us that in the midst of our spiritual battles, that we must look up and take heart because God alone is enough for us to be confident in the battles that we face. If that is you this morning, you say, yes, that's me. I want you to raise your hands and I want to pray for you. If that is you this morning, would you raise your hand? Yes, the Lord sees your hands. Yes, the Lord sees your hands across the room. Father, you see the hands that are raised to you. God, we come before you. We raise our hands because we acknowledge that we cannot. But we come to realize and recognize that you can because you are a God who empowers us. You are a God who can encourage us to look up and take heart. 
And so God, we, we reaffirm our faith, our confidence, not in the things of this world, but in your Son, Jesus Christ, once more, who on that cross says it is finished. And we stand in that reality that as we fight our spiritual battles, that we fight not for victory, but from a place of victory. So God, you see the hands that are raised. Lord, would you pour out a fresh renewal in that season of life to help them to press on, to fix their eyes on you and to look back at your faithfulness in their lives thus far. We give you praise and honour in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let us stand as we respond with this song together. There is strength within the sorrow. There is beauty in our tears. And you meet us in the morning with a love that casts out fear. You are working in sanctifying us when beyond our understanding you're teaching us to trust plans are still to prosper plans are still to prosper you have not forgotten us you're with us in the fire and the
We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word, and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811, or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.